Hallelujah. Well, praise God. As I begin today, you know, what, what was the main mission of Jesus when he came to the earth? I mean, what was his... We know he came to die. He came to forgive us for our sins. But what was the main mission of Christ when he came to the earth? In Luke chapter 5, Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Amen. Jesus came for sick people. We're sick people. We, we may be saved in this place this morning, but we're still sick. We, we, needed, we needed a savior. I, I, needed a, I needed a help. I needed a, I needed a rescue. So Jesus came, you know, I've said this before, if the world was perfect, if everybody was perfect, Christ would never have had to come. There was no need for Jesus to come. Jesus came because we needed a rescue. This world needed a savior. We, we, we needed help. And Jesus was the doctor. Hallelujah. So Jesus came for the sick. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus was often criticized for sinning and eating among sinners. In other words, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who thought that they were okay, like they didn't need this, this Jesus thing, this love from Jesus, they thought they had it all together, and they criticized Jesus for mingling and eating with and speaking with and talking to sinners. Yet they didn't understand that was the very reason why Christ came, was for the sick, for the, for, for the sinner, but not just for the ones that the Pharisees labeled sinners. They too were sinners. <laughs> you see, they, but they, they didn't recognize that and understand that Christ didn't just come for the ones that they said were sinners. Christ came for everyone. See, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. It doesn't matter how, how much church you go to, how, how religious you are, how much you know. Everybody needs Jesus. Every single person on the planet needs Jesus. See, Jesus' mission must become our mission. The, his heartbeat, the, the things that he came for, the mission that he was here on the earth for, his mission must become our mission. And as a pastor and as, as the pastor of this church, I have the obligation to lead this church to accomplish God's purpose and plan for, for, this, for the Tabernacle Church in Covington. God's got a plan for this church. How many of y'all believe that? I, I believe that. That's about half of us in here. Thank you, Jesus. But I, I, God, God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for this church. And, 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 and the devil cannot stop what God's plan is for this church. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is advancing and, and, the, and is forcefully advancing, the Bible says. And, 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 the, and, and man cannot stop God's plan and God's purpose. So what is the purpose of the church? What is God's purpose? Well, Acts, the book of Acts, I believe, gives us a picture of the, of the purpose of the church. In Acts chapter 2, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So I believe there's at least three things that we see in this passage of Scripture that, that show us the reason or the purpose of the church. And the, the first thing we look at here is it was, it was they gathered together in the temple and they worshiped and they praised God. And, and I've said this, that's what we do here. That, in other words, when we come on a Sunday, that's the first thing we do when the service starts. What's the first thing we do? Worship. We're going to worship God. 
Why? Because he's Lord. He's creator. He's sovereign. He's just. He's holy. He's mighty. He's all those things. So, so the first thing we do, and when we do that, and, we, and it shouldn't just be limited to Sunday mornings. You need to praise God all during the week. Find your place. Find that music, that Christian music, that song or whatever you like, and just, just worship and praise God. So the church, the early church, and we are an extension of the, the, the Acts church. That's, there was no stop. We are the New Testament church today. And then it says they fellowship. They, they broke bread together in each other's homes. They, they took the Lord's Supper together. We, we did that this morning. Uh, Rachel did a great job, Lee, both of y'all. That was, that was amazing what Rachel shared and all. But they, they fellowship together. And, and I believe this church does a good job of creating an atmosphere for, for fellowship with one another. We, we do that in our life groups, the small groups. And I've, I've seen, not just in this church, but when I was in the Shamet church, I've seen relationships develop out of life groups. Men and women become close and spend time, and not just in their group or in church, but doing other things, whether it's fishing or shopping or, or just whatever, spending life together. And that develops out of the time that we spend in our small groups and in our life groups. And then the other thing that we see here in this passage is the Bible says, they, and, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there was, there was a spirit of evangelism. Their salvation was taking place. And, and that's what I want to begin to see here happen in this place. It's, it's happened here and it's happening, but God wants it to happen to a greater degree. Right. And, and, it, and it's going to take all of us saying, you know what? I want that. I, I want that. In other words, I... Can all of us say that God has done something for you that you, that you can take and share that with someone else? Amen. Is there at least one thing that God has done in your life that you can say, you know what? I need to tell somebody else what Jesus did for me. Yes. I believe all of us have something, that, that every one of us has something, something that we can share, that, that we can share. So um, we, we do, we are, we are, I believe, acting out the book of Acts, the, the New Testament church here at the Tabernacle. I titled the message today, Going After the Lost Sheep. Going After the Lost Sheep. See, Jesus' mission when he came to the earth, he was looking for lost people. That, that's what Jesus came for. He was looking for the sick. He was looking for, as Rachel so wonderfully described, looking for people with dirty feet. Like, like you and I. We, we, and like Rachel said, even after we get saved, our feet still get dirty. But when we got saved, our feet were dirty. You know, we, we, were pretty, we, we were pretty messed up when Jesus came and rescued us and saved us. But see, God, God is using this church to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're part of the church of Jesus Christ. We're, we're part of the bigger church. We're not the church, but every church that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, that acknowledges that Jesus is the only way to, to, to the Father, that he, he is the only way of salvation, we become part of the church of Jesus. So we are, we are part of that, and we are an extension of the mission of Christ in St. Tammany Parish. This is where God's placed us. We didn't ask to come here. This wasn't. This was God's design. You know, if it wasn't for Katrina, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I would still be living in Chalmette, and I would be all right with that. I'm fine with that. But God had other plans. God, God was expanding us. He was taking the church we had in Chalmette, and he was, he was enlarging our tent pegs, so to speak. And now we have three campuses, and thank you, Jesus, that, 
that we have a perimeter now around the metropolitan area where we can we have a greater outreach. But this this property, this location, this was all of God. In other words, we when we came here, we were meeting at Church of the King. Pastor Steve Robinson was letting us meet as long as we wanted to meet. And at, at that time, Pastor Carl was looking for a church that we could establish our own congregation. And this property, this building became available for us. And I remember Brother Carl telling me, Pastor Steve told him that, the, and this was like almost like over 10 years ago, 12, 12 years ago, that Brother Steve told him that this location for the growth of St. Tammany was an excellent spot. And, and I see that now. We see the growth that's happening all around the area that we, this church has been planted. There's growth here. There's housing. There's new development. There's things happening. So there's really no excuse for this church not to grow. The people are here. You know, you know what did Jesus say? Don't, you don't have to pray for, the, pray for the harvest, what he said. Pray for the laborers. Pray for the workers. That somebody would go and harvest the field. Like go, go, go harvest the fruit, so to speak. So, so this, is a, this is a God thing, but we are called to share the message of the love and salvation of Jesus. This church is God's voice in Covington, along with other churches that share that same like-minded spirit that, 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 that acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. We, we share the truth of Jesus Christ in Covington and in St. Tammany Parish. The question each of us need to answer is this, will I answer the call to go after lost people? Will I do that individually? And I'm asking you as a church, but the question's also being pointed to me. Will I, will I go and do my part that, that God is calling me to do, to participate in this, in this kingdom to go reach a lost person? That, that's the question all of us need, need to answer. And um, see, together we must ask the Lord to turn our hearts and desires to his purpose. See, that's the thing that's so difficult, even for Christians, is God, we're saved, we love Jesus, we love each other, we love our church, but we still have passions and desires of the world. There's things that we cling to that, 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 that compete for our energy and for our time. And it's like, God, shift my desire from worldly things to your things. And guess, guess who's the only person that can do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has got to come in, and you have, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do it, but the Holy Spirit's got to come in and birth within us that compassion. Because on my own, I don't have any compassion. But God, I want that. Lord, Lord Jesus, birth that within me. Baptize me with, with the Holy Spirit that I would love and, and, and go to others as, as Jesus did. So, you know, if we look at, at the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, it can be said that Jesus built the church one soul at a time. You know, we, we live in, in like a mega church society and, and, and the, the society we live in, crusades are, are really big. And I'm not against crusades, but really if you look at Jesus' ministry, he wasn't big on crusades. Jesus was big one-on-one. -on -one. In other words, he, 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 taught, he, he taught to multitudes, the Bible says, but when did Jesus do his greatest ministry? It was one-on-one. -on -one. And this is the Son of God coming to the earth, God, like God himself in the flesh. Jesus is walking among us. He could have done it any way he wanted, but Jesus took the time to meet an individual one-on-one. -on -one. That, 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 that's how he built the kingdom one soul at a time. And that, that, that believe was the, I believe the legacy he left us for our church and for the church 
is to do it one soul at a time. And y'all know the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, remember the story of Zacchaeus? Jesus was, was passing through. The Bible says that Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, jumped up in a sycamore tree and said, I, and what did Jesus, Jesus know? There was, there was probably thousands of people all around. What did Jesus do? He noticed one, Zacchaeus. He took the, the, the son of God and told Zacchaeus, come down, I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus got, got saved. And then we know the woman, the, the woman at the well, um, Jesus um, reached, reached, reached out to her. And then the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus noticed her. He was in a crowd. There was, there was hundreds of people pressing all against him, the Bible says. But this one woman reached out and grabbed his garment. And Jesus said, that someone's touched me. And the disciple says, what do you mean somebody's touched you? Everybody's pressing up against you. He noticed the one. That, that's what you, and, and then we know blonde Bartimaeus. Remember when he was screaming out to Jesus to have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the disciples and everybody was telling blonde Bartimaeus to be quiet. And, 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 and he shouted all the more, the Bible says. And Jesus listened to him and noticed him and, re, and reached out to him. So there's something to be said about the one. And we're going to look at that a little bit here. But Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares three critical parables regarding the lost. Um, it's, the, it's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the, probably the one that's most notable is the parable of the, of the lost son or the, the prodigal son that, that all of us are extremely familiar with. And, um, but each of these parables gives us a picture of God's love for the one. See, we got to think of God as loving us individually. He, he loves the world, but he loves us personally and individually. God, 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 God loves, and, and it gives us a picture that his, that his love is personal and it's, individ, and, it's, and it's individual, and everyone has value and significance. So today I want to look at the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And what a, what a beautiful parable here, what a beautiful story here. But, but, you know, learning from Jesus, and again, Jesus is speaking these parables out of his heart but this was his mission. This was his ministry and his purpose on the earth. And the first thing that we see here that stands out to me in this parable is lost people were gathering to hear Jesus. Lost people were gathering. It says, it, it says there, now the tax collectors and sinners were all, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And, but notice the religious people, those who thought that they were okay, what did they do? They they muttered and complained and griped and wondered why it was that Jesus was mingling and speaking and talking with sinners. See, the church can never become like the Sadducees and the Pharisees where we become so self-righteous that we forget that we are called to go to the sinners. And we can't forget 
that we too was a sinner. In other words, we, we, Jesus touched us. J Jesus changed us. So, so God help us individually that we never get to a place and a mindset where we, come, where we become so godly and so, so Jesus-like, all, all this you know, religious stuff, that we forget that God called us to the sinner. That, 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 that's, what, that, that's what God called us to, and God called us to, go, God called us to go to. See, when we reach the sinner, Jesus never sinned. We don't have to sin to reach the sinner, but Jesus went to where they were. He, they mingled with him. They gathered around where, where Jesus was, where Jesus was, the, the Bible says. See, again, we can be saved so long that we forget that we too were lost and in need of Jesus. See, in our hearts, we may not speak these things verbally, but in our hearts, we may show disdain for sinners, maybe for prostitutes or for drug addicts or for drunkards or, you know, for just uh, thieves and, and murderers and all those things. And maybe in our hearts, we harbor resentment, we harbor, harbor bitterness. That we, man, look at that. Look at that person. He robbed them or they, he killed someone and you just have disdain for them. And we forget that that's the person Jesus died for. That's the person that Jesus came to rescue, that Jesus came to save, was the, was the sinner. See, Jesus did not condemn, nor did he judge them. He loved them. What, what made Jesus so attractive? It was his message. See, Jesus was speaking a message of forgiveness and a message of grace and a message of love. And imagine what that sounded like to somebody who was a grave sinner. But that someone that is, that, that is steeped in sin, they, they lived their whole life in sin, and all of a sudden this man comes along with this message of grace and forgiveness and love. What would that, feel, what would that sound like to someone who was the sinner? They gathered to this man. And there was other things, I believe, that made Jesus attractive. He wasn't pious. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, boastful. He wasn't proudful. He wasn't arrogant. The Bible says, Isaiah said, there was nothing about Jesus' appearance or his demeanor that made us esteem him. In other words, he was just an average, ordinary man. But he was God. But he made himself in such a way where people felt like they could approach him, that they could touch him, that, that they could, they didn't know that this was the son of God. He told them who, who he was, but they didn't really understand. The disciples didn't understand how much less did those people that we ministered to? But there was something about Jesus that made the sinner want to go to him like a magnet. In other words, they weren't, they weren't intimidated. They weren't, they weren't afraid. They weren't fearful. That, so what was it, God? I, I want to know, what, did, what was Jesus's, what was he like? What, how did he act? He must have been, he must have been hugging people and, and kneeling down with people and just, just loving on them. For, for sinners to want to gather around him. The Bible says they all, all the sinners gather around Jesus. That, don't you want that? You, we, I, I, don't you want sinners to gather around you? And then say, say, you know what, Holy Spirit, now open up my mouth and let me begin to speak the love of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the word of God, the testimony. What did, what did God do for you? He gave me a new life. He, he turned my life around. He, I have hope. I have purpose. My, my life has meaning. I, I have peace. Just, imagine if you tell somebody that God's given you peace. In this world today that, that we're confronted with so much anxiety, 
I got peace. Where did I come from? The Prince of Peace. It came from Jesus. See, I'm, share, I'm just sharing. I'm sharing. See, one-on-one. See, God, we, we got to pray. God, give us a, give us a, a, a desire, a, a compassion, a, a desire to want to to, to go to them. See, when our message is his message, we too will become attractive to sinners. We're not judging or condemning people. We don't judge. We're not condemning them. We, we share the same message of grace and salvation and forgiveness to them. And we tell them what Jesus did for us. And then the next thing we see here in verse 4, it says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. So the next thing we see here is without Jesus, lost people are living aimlessly. Without Jesus, lost people are living aimlessly. See, in this parable, Jesus uses the analogy of the shepherd and the sheep for two reasons. Number one, the people back in Jesus' day, they could identify with that. The, the shepherd thing for us here, you know, that's a hard thing for us to identify with. We may have never met a shepherd, don't, maybe never, sheep, that's just not something, but Jesus use parables to speak to the people about things that they could identify with in real life, and then he, underneath that he gave them a spiritual truth that they could, that, that they could comprehend, that they, they, they could understand. But the other reason that Jesus used the analogy of sheep, and Lee mentioned this in a message probably last year, sometime a couple of years ago, that Lee shared the message that sheep, are, they're pretty dumb. And so are you, are you saying that Jesus is saying that we're dumb? Well, we, we, we are prone to wonder. We, we are prone to go aimless, and we are, we, we are, we, we are prone to, to do those things. And, and see, that's what, the, that's, what the sheep, that's what the sheep did. They, they in the fold, they in the flock, they together with the shepherd. They, they, they got pasture, they got love, they got protection right there. But all of a sudden, that sheep just happens to look up, and he sees something out there, and he goes, I, I, I want to go check, I want to go investigate that. See, well, sheep are so dumb... Just like Lee, Lee had said, they so dumb. If he leaves the flock, guess what? They don't know how to get back. And something I was reading when I was studying for this, by the time a sheep realizes he might be lost or he might be like away from the flock, it's too late. He's already lost. Lord, was it, there's, no, there's no chance for him to reverse and say, you know what? I need to get back. I need to get back to the shepherd. So, so sheep are prone to wander. They're, they're prone to go after things that are dangerous. That, 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 that could cause harm. So how does that relate to us as human beings? We, we wonder. And we, we notice things that look attractive in the world. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's loose living or, or, or all these different things. We look at those things and, and like a sheep, we're like, well, that looks good. That looks attractive. And we, we walk away. And then all of a sudden we're there, and now we're, see, we're, we're, in a, we're in a dangerous place. We've, we've, left, we've left security. We've left, we've, we've, left the safe, we've left the safe place. So the analogy of us and sheep fit perfectly. That, that, that's how people are. We're, we're, we're prone, and even after we get saved, we're, we're, prone, we're prone to wonder. But think about this. People without a compass, people are living their lives aimlessly with no direction and no sense of danger. In other words, and I've always said this, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, what is your compass? What is it that directs your life? What, what guides you? What, what, uh, what do you use to teach your children? 
what do you use to make decisions about what I'm going to watch on television or, or the way I speak or the way I conduct myself? What, what is your compass? It becomes the world and media and, 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 and Hollywood and, and, and sports and sports figures and all those different things. All these different things become their compass, you see? But when we have Jesus say, I got a compass. I, I, I got direction. I, got, I, I know where I'm going. Look, look what Proverbs says in Proverbs 14. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but, but its end is the way of death. Or some translations say, but its end leads to, leads to destruction. See, people are living their lives in a way that seems right to them. Even fathers, husbands, they have precious children. They're, they're living their, this seems like the right way to go. This seems like the right thing to do. All the while, not lonely, just like that lost sheep. Guess where they're going to end up if they stay in that condition? They're going to die. It's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to their destruction. Their destruction, the Bible says. But see, thank you, Jesus, that he's the good shepherd and he didn't leave any sheep behind. Thank you, Jesus, that Jesus is the good shepherd. See, driven by compassion, Jesus does not accuse the lost for making bad decisions. He's not angry that they left the, they, they, they left the shepherd. See, when you, when you look at this, and especially the story of the prodigal son, God showed me this. When the prodigal son came home, what did the father do? He ran to him. But what, do we, what would we have done if that would have been our son or our daughter? We would have probably loved them, but that would have been at least the moment we'd have said to them, what were you thinking? What? Why, why did you do that? I love you. I'm glad you're back. I'm so thankful you're safe. But I just got to know that there is no indication whatsoever in the story of the prodigal son. God, Jesus never said one time, why did you do it? He loved. He was so thankful. The son that was lost, now he's home. He, he, he's home with us. See, that, that's, that's the compassion that Jesus, that Jesus has. So, so what does Jesus do when, 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 the, sheep, when the sheep wander? Well, he leaves the 99. See, that's the mentality we have to have as a church. That not that we neglect one another, but we're, we're saved, we're free, we're born again. We, we have all these wonderful things that God has done for us. And God is saying, we're saved. Let's go out and find a lost sheep. Just, just, just go out and let's look for somebody that needs what I have. Because there, there's somebody in your world, in, a, in my world, that needs what Jesus has done for you. There's at least one person, there's probably 10, 20, maybe 100 people that God will place in our world that needs what it is that Jesus has done for us. And what has Jesus done? He goes, Jesus goes after the lost sheep. See, Jesus pursues the sinner. He, he, he goes after them. So, so some lost people, they may, they may walk into this, to this church, but... If, if they're a sheep, they ain't walking in here. They, they're going to stay out there. They, they, we got to go get them. Jesus went after them. He, 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 left, he left the safety of the 99. And, and the Bible says he went after, he went after the lost. We gotta, it's got to be proactive, so to speak. We got to engage. And it, it all starts with a mindset that people need Jesus. And Maybe God's got me as the voice to tell them who Jesus is. Everybody needs Jesus. And see, the pursuit, the pursuit was urgent. 
I like what, what, the, what the parable says here. It says the shepherd searched for the sheep until what? Until he found it. Now, it doesn't say how long it took, and I didn't study this, but I got to think if the sheep were that dumb, don't tell him where he went or what he did or what he, what he was up to. It might have taken a long time. It might have gotten dark. It might have been dangerous. It might have come against some opposition, some, some, some resistance or whatever. But the Bible says the shepherd went after the sheep and he kept searching for the sheep until he found the one. That's something to be said for us. That God, give me a heart to keep searching, just to keep looking, God. They're all around us. So what did Jesus say? Don't, don't pray for the harvest. Pray for the workers. So God, give me a heart. They're all around us. They're, they're, in my, they're in my path. They're in my world. They're at my work. They're in my neighborhood. Now, God, give me compassion to slow down, to take my eyes off of my world, my selfishness, and put my eyes on them. And go out till I find them, till I get to say, to just love them and speak, speak the word, word of Jesus. See, our pursuit of lost people must become, it's got to become urgent. See, without Jesus, they are lost with no hope. They are on a path of eternal separation from God. And, um, you know, we I was having some work done at the house this past week, and Joshua, Justin, and um, Christian was over there doing some stuff. And another contractor had came, and he was doing another job, and he had three workers. So it was Justin, Joshua, and Christian, and it was his other three guys working there. And I just was kind of looking at them and just looking at the difference. It was almost looking at life and looking at death. That, that Joshua and Justin and Chris, they were smiling. They had the, they had the music playing. They, they were just, and the other guys, I mean, they did good work and they were, they were great, fantastic workers, but they didn't, have a, they didn't have a life. And I said, God, give us a heart of compassion. God, to go to them. They, they were down. Cast. They were they were downtrodden, and I, I tried to speak to one of them and just try, try to encourage them. You know, you did a great job. The, the guys where I bought the stuff from for you to do the work, they, they, they spoke highly of you. And he just, God, there's life and death. We have life. We, we have the life of Jesus to, to resurrect someone else's life, the message of salvation. That God, give us a heart of compassion for that, God, that we will see, that we can see them. And then look what it says here in verses 5 and 6. It says, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. The next thing we see here is Jesus loves the lost and the hurting. See, there was no correction here. There was no chastisement. There was no beating of the sheep. No, 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 none of that. The Bible says that the shepherd took the sheep that was lost, the bad sheep, the dirty sheep, the one that did it all wrong, and picked him up and actually put the sheep on his shoulders. And this is true. I've read things about this with shepherds. They, they really do this with, with, with their sheep. They have a, they have a connection with, with their fold, with their flock. And the Bible says, picture this. This was a, a sheep that went astray. And the Bible says that the shepherd took the sheep and put him on the shoulder. Now the sheep, there's no way he's going to get lost. There's no way he's going to wander off again. And what did the shepherd do? He brought him back to the safe place, back to the flock. That's what God is calling us to do with lost people. So we go to them, we, we speak the message of salvation, but what we do, we, 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 we care for them. We, we, we meet their needs. Uh, you know, what, 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 what do you need? Uh, can, can I, what, what can I minister to you about? How can, I, how can I help you? What can I do? It's more than just words, it's action. We, we, we go to them, we, 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 show, we show the love of Christ. 
That needs to be the, the, the preeminent message in everything that we do is love. Ephesians chapter 3 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, whom from every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, every time we go to someone in the name of Jesus, guess what we're demonstrating? We're demonstrating love. We're demonstrating compassion, that that most people are just shocked that somebody's even taken notice of them, that they even aware, that someone was even aware that they were even standing there, that, that they even existed, that, that you mean you really you care about me enough to stop your life and pay attention to me? Yeah, yes, yes, I do, because that's what Jesus has done for me. See, we go to them, we, we, we show the love, we show the love of Christ. And then look, look in verse 7. It says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The next thing we see is both heaven and earth rejoice when the lost is found. Think about that. Heaven is rejoicing when one person gets saved. And if I read this scripture passage correctly, the Bible says that God is going to be more excited if somebody gets saved today, then over us who are in this room, he's excited that we're here today, but the Bible says that we're, God's got us, the 99, we're, we're, we're in a safe place. Heaven rejoices when one sinner turns around and repents. And don't you want to join in with the chorus of heaven and begin rejoicing with heaven? That God, give, give me a heart, give me a compassion for, for, for lost people. See, I believe that this church will experience the greatest joy when lost people are saved. That's going to be our greatest enthusiasm. When, we, when that baptism tank is rolled out here and we begin to see people saved and baptized and, and free and born again, that's when life begins to flow into a church. But it begins with every one of us. It starts with me. But my job as a pastor, is my obligation is to, is to teach, is to show you the to, to bring these things to the forefront, that this is what God has called our church to do. This is who we are. We go to the lost. We, 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 go, after, we go after the lost sheep. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to ask Eli just to begin to play that, that music that we had set up. Uh, we, we met, my wife and I met with our life group leaders this past week. Lori met with the, with the lady life group leaders, and I met with, with the men. And uh, God just, just kind of had put something in my heart to kind of download to them, to download to their members in their groups. And it was really this parable about us going after one. And, you know, sometimes we look at uh, evangelism or winning, winning the lost and we, and we think that we have to go win the whole world. But Jesus said, can you just go get one? Like, like if Jesus said you got to go win the world, I'd be like, well, Jesus, I know you can do that, but I don't think I can do that. I just don't see that. But if Jesus tells me, can you just go get one? Does that seem like something you can manage? I can, man I can, I can manage one. 
Can y'all, can we, can we all do that? I, I think we can do that. So I challenged the man. I said, yo, think of someone in your heart, but then challenge the man in your life group to come up with a name. And they didn't have it that week to maybe think about it for the next week and say, Jesus, is there a neighbor? Someone that's either unchurched or lost. Is there somebody in my world that I could begin to pray for that God will use me? I, 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 got, I got mine. His name is Kenneth. And that's, that's, that's the guy that lives real close to where we live at. And I, God just, every time I'm, I see him, God, God just keeps putting him in my heart. And now I've got to take the next step. I'm going to have to go to Kenneth and just begin to share the love and the truth of the gospel. But just let God just identify one person, just one, and say, God, begin to allow our paths, our lives to cross. Now, that, that give me a heart for them because we, we are here to, to, to promote the gospel as Jesus did, to go to the lost people. Don't you want it? Y'all want to do that? I want to do that. I want that. Stand to your feet, please.